just make some noise and give the Lord some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's the wonderful, mighty, kind God, and he's yet doing great things for his people. And you are a great and a mighty people. We want to welcome all those who are online as well as Avondale Methodist Church who is with us today. So thank you for being here. So glad to have you. Deliverance Temple members, thank you for being here as well. And all those who are online, watching online, we appreciate you. All of you make up this body of believers, the kingdom of God. And for that, we are grateful. We are still saying and we're still going to the highways and byways and compelling men to come and know this Savior that we know. He's a Savior. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a mind regulator. He's a peacekeeper. He's a warrior. He's a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Amen. And if you don't know him like the old saints, you say everybody ought to know who Jesus is. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bride and morning star. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, praise you, love you. God, I'm praying that you would allow me to be blessed as I share the word of God. Touch your people, God. Touch their ears, God. Illuminate my speaking and my thinking, God. And let no one's coming be in vain. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen. 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 With your Bibles in your hands, would you repeat after me again? This is my Bible. I am what I I am what it says I I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple, where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our Creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, feed me this word. Come on, if you believe it, go ahead and make some noise this morning. I'll, I'll start off by saying, and I, I really won't get into it much today, but this has been a very trying week. Starting on Sunday, uh, we, we had an emergency situation that needed to be responded to uh, concerning my mother-in-law, and we have been on an emotional roller coaster. But I will say this, where we could have been planning a funeral, God stepped in and made a way. So... I'm very grateful for that. My wife is at the hospital now and uh, tending to her mother. And so uh, with, with everything going on, I was just trying to figure out wh where, where I wanted to preach from, what I wanted to talk about, what uh, God wanted me to say. And we had moved out of Black History Month, so I, I wasn't trying to go back into that. And then in my normal reading, so I, I studied so that I can have something for you, but then I have my normal reading. But in my normal reading, I came across this chapter that I love, and it just sat in my spirit in such a way that it just felt like I believe this is what we're going to talk from. So I'm not, I don't even have a special cute title. It's just simply the chapter. So the title of today's message is Psalms 27. Psalms 27. One of my favorite uh, chapters is the Psalm of David. Now, this is one of those psalms where you don't necessarily know. It's hard to track and trace what David was going through when this psalm was written. But we know David went through so many things. So this psalm could fit so many things. But what we're going to do, we're going to try to walk through it and then tie the communion at the end and see if the Lord can bless us as we share. Amen. So I, I desire your prayer. So what we're going to do, we're going to start off with a point, And the point is going to be uh, simply this confidence in chaos. Somebody say confidence, confidence. In, chaos. in chaos. Even though I have experienced a chaotic week, I still have confidence in my God. Yeah. And no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, no matter what the chaos may be that life is bringing you, that the pandemic is bringing you, that addiction is bringing you, that trouble is bringing you. You've got to learn how to have some confidence in God. 
And Sister Trish would tell you, I like to create a new word that's not confidence. What is it, Sister Trish? It's Godfidence. Is that when you have so much confidence in God, it becomes Godfidence. I am confident in the God that I serve. I've been in this too long to believe he's going to let me down now. So my confidence in chaos is Godfidence. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So the first point is confidence in chaos and the verses we will pick up and see from, from that. Let's look at Psalms 27 and 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Why should I be afraid when the Lord, the Lord Yahweh is my light? Here's the thing. When you walk in darkness, it's easy to get scared, especially when you're young. When you're young and when you're a child and when the lights go off, you get a little nervous. But when the light is on, you see everything. When the light is off, the coat looks like a monster. When the light is off, the, the toy bear looks like the boogeyman. But when the light is on, you realize what looked bad is not as bad as it looks. And so David said, the Lord is my light. So I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to have confidence or confidence in this chaos because I have light. And sometimes the light is at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes the light is in the middle of the day. But what I do know is when it's darkest, light will always overcome the dark. All right, let's, let's read some more. Let's look at verse 2. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. So when the wicked, and here's the thing that we have to deal with, not only do we have to get saved ourselves and deal with our own wickedness, there's wickedness around us. There's wicked people around us. And every now and then, those wicked people have something against us. We call them haters. You ever had somebody hate you for no reason? And so David said, when the wicked, even my enemies, when they come to eat up my flesh, they stumble and they fail. It's not that they didn't come after me. It's that they couldn't get to me because they stumbled and fell. I don't know why they stumbled and fell. All I know is when they got close to me, they fell back. When they tried to put their hand on my neck, they were the one that was choking. So what I've learned is I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to have confidence because the wicked can't get close to me unless God says they can do you remember when God was talking to Satan and he said, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan had to be honest. He's like, yeah, I, I really have been. He's like, I won't after him. I want to do something to him. And then God said, okay, he's in your hands. And Satan was excited. But Satan had to come back and say, you got a hedge around him. I, I, I want to get to him, but there is a picket fence around him where I can't get close to him. And so what I've learned is the only time the enemy can get close to you is if God opens the fence. And if God opens the fence, it's not for the devil to take you out. It's for you to whip the devil. So if the devil's on your heels, it's your time to wear him out. So don't be afraid. Have confidence or confidence in the chaos because God's going to see you through. Somebody say, God is going to see me through. God is going to make a way for me. You don't have to repeat this, but when your back is up against the wall, that's when you find out how good your God is. All right, let's look at the, ver the next verse, verse 3. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Though Russia attacks Ukraine, I'm still going to keep my confidence. Though there may be gang violence and issues, I'm not going to lose my faith. Here's what he said. He said, my heart shall not fear. It's one thing to have fear in your mind. It's another thing to have fear in your heart. Because when you have fear in your heart, you can look and smile and act like you're okay and be trembling down on the inside. And I've been in situations where fear has gripped my heart. 
and I didn't know how I was going to make it. But I've learned something in the trouble of my life and in the roller coaster of the things that I've gone through. I've learned this is that if I can just muster a Jesus, everything will be okay. Got to tell you a quick story. I remember driving one day on my way to work. And all of a sudden, I saw a deer. Now, this is not uh, uh, nothing new. I see deer all the time. They, they're moving, they're going, and it's just, just on the path that I have to take. I see deer a lot. But this particular time, fear gripped my heart because the deer was on my driver's side window. I didn't see him out of my windshield. I seen him out of my driver's side window as if he was looking right at me. I turned and looked, and the deer was coming right at me. And I got to be honest, I got to tell on myself, I screamed like a little elementary girl. I didn't know I could scream so high. I grabbed the wheel, embraced for impact, but after I screamed, I said, Jesus. And I opened my eyes, and I was waiting for the deer to hit me. And then I looked out the window, and my my car was stopped. I looked out the window. The deer was not there. The deer was on the other side. I don't know when. I don't know how. All I know is I thought I was going to be hit, but Jesus stepped in. If you can yell Jesus in the middle of your trouble, it will give you confidence that God is on your side. I don't know if God picked him up and moved him around. I don't know if he disappeared as he crossed through. I don't know what happened. All I know is I screamed and yelled, Jesus, and my car never got hit. My body never got hit. Nothing ever happened, but God made a way. And I can tell you story after story how Jesus has made a way. So now, when I see a deer now, Fear doesn't grip my heart. I have confidence because what Jesus has already done. I'm here to let you know you may step into a new place that will scare you, but based on what Jesus has already done, you ought to have some confidence that I'm going to be okay. All right, so confidence in chaos. How about this? How about making a choice in the changes? When when life is changing you and the life is flustering you, sometimes you got to make a choice in the changes. Somebody say choice in changes. Let's look at Psalms 27 and 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. And it, basically, I'm going to paraphrase, and it's to be with you in your sanctuary, to dwell with you. So I make a choice, even though I've had fear, I've had trouble, I've had issues, and my life is constantly changing, and I'm going through changes. Listen, it's not just women who go through the change. Listen, if you save, you're going through the change. You have hot flashes that's not uh, scientific. You got hell flashes where hell is on your tail and hell is on your back and you get tired of the changes. Anybody get tired of the changes? Anybody every now and then just want some good news for a whole week? I don't want no bad news. But the life that we live many times, it's filled with swift transition. It's filled with changes, and nobody went through changes like David. David was promised the kingdom as he was a shepherd boy, and God miraculously made it a way for him to work with the king. But all of a sudden, the king turned on him, and David is there playing the harp, doing what he's supposed to do, and the king will throw a javelin at him, and David barely dodging it. David didn't know what was going on. Then he got out of that, and people turned their back on him. His son went crazy on him. David went through all kinds of changes but he basically said this even though I'm going through changes I've made a choice I want to dwell with you I would rather go through hell with God than be within all the pleasures of life with the devil so God I'm making a choice in the changes I still want you God 
I need some of y'all to make the same choice. I'm going to dwell with you. I choose you. I serve you. You are mine. God, I want you. No matter what's coming my way, come hell or high water, God, I choose you. And then he says to, 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 to behold the beauty of the Lord. Here's the beautiful thing. David is saying, I'm choosing you, but the reason why I'm choosing you is because you're so beautiful. Now, now let me pause and just say something kind of uh, comical. If you chose an ugly mate, I can understand why you want to back out of the deal. Maybe you, maybe you had what they call beer goggles. She looked good long as you was drinking, but once you sobered up, you realize that ain't the choice that you want. I got I to gotta tell another story. When I was in college, and, and I know I was a church boy, but I, finally I started drinking, and I remember a senior girl who had hit on me, and we was making out, and boy, I was telling my friends about the girl that I was with, and they were silent. They didn't say nothing. They was real silent. They wasn't as happy as I was. But at the lunchroom, when I was good and sober, and I saw the girl that I've been bragging about, I wanted to hide my head. Because she didn't look like sober, what she looked like drunk. But what David says, I chose you so I can behold your beauty. Because you're just as beautiful as I always thought you were. You're beautiful in trouble. You're beautiful in good times. You're good, beautiful in happy times. You're beautiful in sorrowful times. You're beautiful in grief. You're beautiful in joy. You're beautiful in laughter. You're beautiful in tears. So I choose you, God, because you've always been beautiful. He's beautiful to me. All right, let, let's, let's keep on moving. So we have confidence in chaos. We have choice in the changes. And what is the choice we're going to choose, God? Let's put this one up. We're going to have care in the calamity. See, if I choose God, the reason why I'm choosing God is because God first chose me. Remember how we used to sing the song, I love the Lord because he first loved me. And so the reason why I chose him is because I found out that he cares for me even in the middle of my calamity. Let's continue to read. Let's look at verse 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Oh, hold on. I gotta, I'm not going to let you read the whole thing just yet. Because in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. I've got a God that specializes in trouble. See, this life is filled with trouble, but the reason why I keep choosing God, because he knows how to care for me in trouble. I wouldn't serve a God that can only care for me as long as I'm on the mountaintop. I like a God that cares for me when I'm in trouble. When I went through the miscarriages, the three miscarriages that me and my wife had, that was trouble, but God cared for me. When I lost jobs and got un was unemployed and was on strike, God cared for me. That was trouble, but God cared for me even in the middle of calamity. When I did some stupid stuff and I made some stupid choices, God cared for me even in calamity. When I got addicted, God cared for me even when I was addicted. When I was acting a fool, God cared for me me. When somebody else was acting a fool, God cared for me. When they lied on me, God cared for me. When they stabbed me in the back, God cared for me. When I was laying in the hospital, God cared for me. When I was standing by the casket, God cared for me. He's a care. He cares for you in the middle of your calamity. So what you can do, you can start having calmness in calamity because you know who's going to care for you. Now, if you've ever had a good babysitter and a bad babysitter, when your mother, father, or your parents say you are going with this person, it can either make your day or break your day. When they told me that Sister Ruby was going to babysit me, I got happy. Because she would make me French toast with butter and syrup, and she would take good care of me. But we had another babysitter who shall remain nameless. And she don't go to this church. It's okay. But she would put her kids' foods on paper plate, but put our food on 
toilet tissue. Would serve us on toilet tissue. It took a while for us to realize that this babysitter wasn't no good. She wouldn't care for us. Me and her son was jumping on the bed and I got in trouble and it was his idea. So we said, Mama and Daddy, don't send us there no more because she don't know how to care for us. Yeah. And when Sister Ruby moved just behind us, that was like a pray, praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Because she was a good baby. I'm here to let you know that trouble and trials many times is different based on who's caring for you. If you turn to sex, drugs, and alcohol, it will let you down. But if you turn to the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, it'll take good care of you. Somebody say, God takes good care of me. All right, let's go back to verse 5 and read it in its entirety. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. What's so beautiful about this is that when you're in trouble, many times people know you're in trouble, but when you come out of the trouble, you advance in such a way that people don't even know you were in trouble because in the trouble, God finds a secret place. And what I mean by that is there are times that I've been in trouble. I want God to get rid of the trouble, but God does so much for me in the trouble, I no longer mind the trouble because I'm learning in the trouble, God is doing something for me. There's some stuff that I look back over my life and I say, God, I thank you I went through that. Now, when I first got in it, I wasn't thankful. A couple months in, I wasn't thankful. But after a while, I hit a sweet spot. When I learned and I realized that if God can get me out of this, he can get me out of anything. If God can preserve my mind in this, he can preserve my mind in anything. And let, let, let me uh, bring up that word secret because there's some things that are secret. See, that, that there's some stuff you go through that you can't tell anybody the details of what you're going through because people will know too much. Sometimes we have to suffer in silence. Because if I told you what was happening, you really wouldn't believe me or you really wouldn't understand it. So I can only go to God about this. And I've learned that when God was the only person I could tell, God found a way of putting my heart back together again. And then he says he will set you up upon a rock, which means when you went into the trouble, you was on one level. But when you came out of the trouble, you was on a entire different level. Let's look at the next verse, verse 6. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine uh -huh. enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. See, I, I really don't mind you quiet praises. I don't mind that. But you loud, crazy praises. The reason why I don't tell you to shut up, I know you went through something that makes you open your mouth. Because David said the reason why I have joy in the sanctuary is because when he brought me out, I was above my enemies. When I went in the trouble, I was on the same level with my enemies. But when I came out of the trouble, my head was above my enemies. And my head is not above my enemies so I can look down and laugh at them. My head is above my enemies so I can pull them up and bring them to the level I'm on so they can stop acting like a fool and stop bothering folk and lift you up where they belong. Lord, lift us up where we belong. So I, 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 I praise him in the tabernacle because after I came out, I, 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 I'm a little higher than I was before. I, I've learned some things about myself. Now, now I'm, I'm, I'm a person who I, I've grown in my confidence throughout my life. I, I, I wasn't necessarily an automatically confident person. If if you would talk to my, my parents and specifically my mom now, they would tell you I was a clumsy kid. I, I wasn't a kid who could dress very well. My my mama would say, she would call me rough dry. And what that meant, I wouldn't iron nothing. I just throw it on, wrinkles everywhere. She said, why do you want to run out the house rough, dry? You just, she, she, she talk about me pretty bad, y'all. She would. 
But over time, I begin to gain this confidence. And I begin to learn things about me. But how I see myself still is not as great as other people see me. Because when God lifts you up after you've gone through things, you have a level of humility. But people around you, they see stuff that you don't even know. I learned this when I went to South Africa because I'm like, I'm all the way in a whole new continent. And I had people there tell me, man, you got the it factor. What what do you mean I got the it factor? It's just something about you. When when, when you step in the room, everybody turns and looks at you. I'm like, why? Why? I'm learning because God has lifted me up. And you're the same way. When you step in a situation, you wonder, why these folks staring at me? They're staring at you because there's something on you. There's something about you. God has lifted you up. And I don't want you to second guess yourself any longer. You are somebody in God. I tell you this almost every Sunday. If you've gone through hell and come out, maybe you've come out like pure gold. And you got that thing about you. You got something about you. And what it is, it's God on you. It's beautiful to have God in you. It's beautiful to have God by you. It's beautiful to have God around you, but it's something when you have God on you. See, the anointing is, it really means the smearing on, the painting on, the rubbing on. So they're saying when someone is anointed, it shows up on the outside. When when, when you get dressed, you're anointed. When you drive, you're anointed. When you walk, you're anointed. When you shop, you're anointed. When, when, when you travel, you're anointed. When you're in school, you're anointed. Because the presence of God is on you. And once you wake up to that, you'll realize what I went through produced something in me that made me who I am today. It, it, it's okay, but just say this with me. Say, I, I, I got the it factor. Now, now, your life may have told you you don't have it, but I'm here to let you know you got it. That, that, that thing, that thing that makes people pick you out of the crowd and say, I'm going to hire you. I, I, I know they passed over you. I know they threw thrown your resume away, but things are changing because you got that thing. You got that it factor. And when you go to the hospital, all the bad nurses is not going to show up that day. The best nurse is going to come into your room because you got the it factor. When, when, when you're driving, I, I, the, the other day me and me and Dylan were uh, trying to go somewhere and we, we ended up running a little late. I was trying to take him to an appointment and we got uh, around uh, Walnut and I said, I, I'm praying that I get every green light. And boom, 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 the lights, it, I, I, I got that moment where everything changed just right. And Dylan was like, man, they, they all changed. I was like, yeah, yeah, we got, God is on our side. Every now and then you'll find out that the atmosphere around you responds to you. Because you got it. Yeah. All right, not, uh, another thing, and then I'll move on. Another testimony. Uh, we, we just celebrated 22 years of marriage on Friday, March the 4th. Praise the Lord. But I remember March the 4th, 2000, 22 years ago, when we decided that was the date that we were going to set, and we had a specific reason why we decided that date. Actually, our very first date date was May 4th of 1996 and so there was not another fourth that fell on a Saturday but March the 4th fell on a Saturday so we were like how about when we get married we get married on March the 4th so we thought about it we said yes that's what we want to do but you know everybody got their opinion why y'all want a winter wedding it's gonna be cold it's gonna be listen shut up this is the day we want y'all don't even y'all y'all didn't already say we ain't gonna make it anyway so why am I gonna listen to your opinion and 22 years later, like, ooh, we so happy for y'all. But something in me want to say, you wasn't always happy, but I, I ain't going to be petty right now. I, I'm not going to allow pettiness to happen. But in, anyway, it was March the 4th. And so as it was coming up, you know how Indiana weather is. You just don't know what you're going to get. And so I decided, and I told a friend of mine, I said, I'm going to pray that we have good weather. And they were like, do you think you can affect the weather? I was like, I don't know. But I'm at least going to try. You have not because you asked not. 
So I actually went outside and pointed to the sky and I said, God, when the day comes, I'm praying we have good weather. If you look back at my wedding pictures, I'm wearing sunglasses because the sun came out on that day. And this was before global warming. I'm talking about the sun came out when I needed to do because I have the it factor. Because I have God for this. Now, we flew to the Virgin Islands. And as we, I, I, I like to say this, and, and Devin hates when I say this, but since she's not here, I can go ahead and say it. We flew to the Virgin Islands, but they weren't Virgin Islands when we left, when we got back. Praise the Lord. But in, anyhow, so we flew to the Virgin Islands. But when we touched back down, there was snow and ice on the ground. So the snow hit the very next week. But God just said, I'm going to let it stay just for you to have what you want. And I want to tell somebody out there, I'm not saying that you can control God. But every now and then you'll get in a season where God will allow you to work with him. And what you declare and what you ask for will happen for you because God has set you up on high. All right, let's, let's, let's look at verse 10 and 11. We're skipping from 6 down to 10 and 11. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Look at verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. When my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will still take me up. So teach me, Lord, and lead me because I'm going to be okay. I'm going to have care and calamity. Let's, let's look at one more thing. Actually, we got a, a few more, but here's another one. Comforted in cruelty. Somebody say comforted, comforted. in cruelty. Psalms 27, 12. Read that. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. That means the folk who lie on you in cruel ways. I've been lied on and people just messed up the information. But I've been lied on when people were just cruel for no reason at all. I mean, put me in stuff that I, I that, that, that it's not possible I could have been in. I'm mean, like, why, 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 why you do me like that? I, I wasn't doing that. Cruelty, but God will comfort you even in the cruelty. Let's read the next verse, verse 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I want you to hold on to this verse. You would have fainted. You would have lost your mind if you did not wait for God in the land of the living. What that means is I'm not putting everything off to heaven. God, I need you to come through for some stuff to me right now. And I would have folded. I would have fainted. I would have quit. But God, I'm trusting you to bring it out. I told you just a little bit of uh, the testimony of the week that we've had, me and my family. And, and it has been an emotional roller coaster. But I would have fainted if I didn't believe God. I, I would have folded if I, if I didn't believe God. Many people lose loved ones. I lost my father and had to still keep preaching. Because y'all lost your bishop. It would have been nice if I could have just got up and left and been like, well, I, I need to take three, four, five, six months off to regroup. There would have been nothing wrong with me doing that, but that was y'all bishop too. So if I, would have, if I would have laid to the side, it would have hurt y'all, so I knew I had to step up. But that was not easy for me to do. And it's still difficult as I process through this. It's, 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 it's especially not easy when you look as much like as him as I do. When I look in the mirror and I see my daddy looking at me right back in the face, that's not easy. But I would have fainted if I hadn't believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I know God is going to turn this for my good. And he already has been. Things have been happening and things are going and things are moving. And I'm trusting that God's going to keep doing it. But I promise y'all, I would have lost my mind if it wasn't for God. I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for God. And you got the same testimony. I would have fainted. David said, I would have gave up if it wasn't for the fact that I still believe I'm going to see God's goodness in the, uh, while I'm yet living. Not, not, not 75 years from now. I'm going to see God while I'm yet living. It might happen next week. 
It might happen when I leave out these doors. It might happen in a minute, in a second, in a moment. It doesn't make a difference, and it may happen six months from now. But all I know is God's going to be good to me. And when you have that mindset, guess what? You attract goodness your way. Part of some of y'all problem is you always look for the negative. Now, when you've been through a lot of junk, it's easy to look for the negative. But you've got to force yourself to look for the positive. I told some people years ago, they say you, you might be driving a hoopty and everybody else got a car with GPS. Go buy a dollar compass, stick it on your uh, hoopty, and thank God for some GPS. You got to find a way to praise God in anything. All I got is Vienna sausages. Put some A1 on the Vienna sausages and dream like you're eating steak. But don't you put your head in the sand. Don't you give up. You still going to see God's goodness. I know it's not easy. And I know it's not. Uh, I know it's easier said than done. That's, that's a better way to say it. It's not easy and it's easier said than done. But I'm not telling you something that I'm talking about. I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I know for myself. I'm telling you what I will walk through for myself. And I don't have time to tell you all the things that I've been through. But this little boy been through some stuff. And I'm here to let you know God has yet been good to me. In the ups and the downs, God has yet been good to me. So guess what I'm going to have? This is the, the next point. Actually, second to last point. I'm going to have courage in challenges. In the challenges, I'm going to have courage. One scripture says, take courage. So that means it's up to you. Let, let me use this uh, hand sanitizer. This hand sanitizer will stay there for the rest of my life. If I don't take it up, I can put this here and it will stay there till it disintegrates. Nothing can remove it unless I decide to remove it. And I'm here to let you know courage is laying out in front of you and you got to stop walking by and you got to take courage. Well, I ain't got nothing to be encouraged about. The Bible says of David that David encouraged himself. Everybody else had left him, had talked about him. They was mad at him. David had to pat his own self on the back. What you got to learn how to do is look yourself in the mirror and encourage yourself. I should have been dead, but I'm still here. I'm taking courage. I, I should have lost my mind, but I'm still here. They walked out on me, but I'm still here. They cheated on me, but I'm still here. They lied on me, but I'm still here. They arrested me, but I'm still here. They pushed me around, but I'm still here. They gossiped about me, but I'm still here. So I'm going to take courage. Because if the devil could have killed me, he would have already done it. If the devil could have taken me out, he would have already done it. If the devil could have made me backslide, he would have already done it. If the devil could have made me quit, he would have already done it. If the devil could make me give up, he would have already done it. But since he can't do it and he hasn't done it, I'm going to take courage and believe God that it's going to get better. So I take courage. So I'm here to tell you, be encouraged. Sister Ruth, be encouraged. Ah, uh, Sister Quantia, be encouraged. Brother Neil, be encouraged. Sister Darlene, be encouraged. Mother Rankin, be encouraged. Sister Kay, be encouraged. Avondale Methodist Church, even though Josh Arthur, your pastor, is taking a time of space, I'm telling you, be encouraged. God is going to make a way for you. God is on your side. Oh, I take courage. I take courage. When I get up, I say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad about it. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. I still got clothes on my back. I still got a roof over my head. I still got breath in my body. My hands still work. My feet still work. I'm going to give God praise. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. Divorced, but I'm still here. Addicted, but I'm still here. 
sick, but I'm still here. Worried, but I'm still here. Depressed, but I'm still here. And since I'm still here, God can still make a way. So I take courage. Hold to his hand. God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's changing hand. I don't know what you're going to be challenged with. I don't know what you're going to be faced with. But you got to take courage. I, I'll share just a little bit because it's not really my story to tell. And so I, I, I was kind of wait. But, but I'll share this much of it. That last Sunday... After I had uploaded the sermons so that you guys can watch them later, I got into bed. About 5.30, I try to get into bed because I, I have to be up for work and I have to leave for work by 9 o'clock. So it gives me about three and a half hours to rest. Around 7.20, I get a call from my wife and I'm looking at the phone. I was like, why is she calling me now? She know I need to be asleep. So I answered the phone and I hear panic in her voice. And she's like, my mom has collapsed at the hospital. And when they said collapse, they meant that she basically dropped dead at the hospital. And for the simple fact that what I just went through with my father, fear tried to grip me. But I decided I'm going to take courage. I don't know what the outcome's going to be, but I'm not about to sit here and cry and fret and worry. I'm going to start talking to God and say, God, if you can make a way, make a way. God, if you can turn it around, turn it around. God, if you can fix it up, fix it up. I'm still trusting you. I'm still believing you. And without me telling the whole story, I just told you that my wife now is by her mother's side. So just that to tell you enough to know that what the devil meant for evil, God done already turned it around for good. But you cannot let the devil buffalo you. You cannot let the devil bull whip you. You cannot let the devil push you over. You got to look him in his ugly face, him and his ugly mother-in-law, and tell him, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. I talk real bad about the devil because I don't like him. I love a lot of people, but I don't like that snaggletooth, raggly-looking fella. But I'm going to take courage every time he comes in my face because he, all he's trying to do is make me not believe that God can bring me through. And when, when, when you leave here, it's probably something going to happen. You're probably going to get some news. They're going to try to make you fret. But remember this. Take courage. Last verse that we're going to read. Psalms 27, 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. It says, be of good courage. I need you to take courage, but not all courage is the same. I need you to be of good courage. And the good courage is when you can wait on the Lord. Some of y'all have trouble with that. You want to use God, your prayer, and your hands. You, 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 you always got to get your hands in and you always mess stuff up. You got to learn how to wait on the Lord. Yeah. Another quick testimony as we, as we begin to close. I remember when I was working uh, at my job and I was working with these big metal pieces that you have to put on a post. You set them on the post and if they didn't snap in, you take this little rubber hammer and you would hit it, hit it, hit it around and then you could knock it into place. Every now and then, there'd be a burr on that metal piece, and it just would not seat. It just wouldn't seat. And you'd be hitting and hitting and hitting, and you had a certain cycle time to keep everything moving, that you had to get it down in a certain time. You'd be wearing yourself out. So one particular day, I was doing that, and I was beating. I was, it, it was wearing me out. It just would not seat. And I had the hammer in my hand. I was hitting it. And then there was a bigger hammer. And I'm like, yeah, let me go get the bigger hammer. So I let go of it to go get the bigger hammer. And the thing fell into place. And God spoke to me. He said, that's like a lot of my people. It would Things would fall into place if they would just get their hands off. That relationship would work or that relationship would come if you get your hands off of it. The, the money would flow if you get your hand. Stop doing it your way. Way I say on the Lord. Be of good courage. 
Because guess what? He can fix it up much better than you can fix it up. Watch God work when you wait. And then it says he will strengthen your heart. Some of y'all, because of what you've been through, there's nothing wrong with you. You just have a broken heart. Life has broken you down so you, so you have a broken heart. First of all, the man you was with, I'm going to talk to some of you women, the man you was with did you no good, left you with these kids. And then you, you raise the kids, and now the kids are causing you trouble. And your heart is just broke. The man was no good. Kids are locked up. And you wonder, what did I do wrong? And I'm here to let you know, wait, I say on the Lord. I don't care if your child is locked up. God will meet your child there. I don't care who walked out on you. You're still beautiful. Don't you give up. Well, I, I, well, I, didn't, got, I didn't got fat, Pastor Under. We didn't all got fat. Shut up and move on. It's okay. God's going to see you through. Just wait on him. Just, just wait. Just wait on him. Pastor, I've been waiting a long time where you, where you can keep on waiting. Because when he comes and when he does it, he does it just right. So wait, I say on the Lord. One final thing. Many times when you are waiting, it helps you reflect. And it helps you remember when you wait. One of the great things that helps you wait is when you remember the good times. But what we're going to do is the scripture says, this do in remembrance of me. So as we talk about waiting, we're going to transition into our communion. And our final point is communion in church. Because you can take communion anywhere. But we're going to take it right here in church. Those of you who are watching online, you're going to take it at home. But this is signifying, God, we're waiting. Because while we are waiting, we are remembering all you went through for us. So let's put up our communion slide as we begin to prepare our elements. This is a part of us waiting, how we remember our God. Every first Sunday, we remember our Lord in this way. Let's read 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Mother Mitchell, would you read it? For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. Paul said, I received it from the Lord. In order to receive something from the Lord, you have to first wait. And he got this revelation from the Lord and remembered him when he was betrayed. Read verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to ask that you would go ahead and eat the wafer, but if you can, just break it in remembrance of his body being broken for you and then take the bread. Your heart may be broken, but he was broken for you. Let me say it this way. He was broken for every broken heart. And that's why he understands the brokenhearted. Because he was betrayed, but he still loved. Let's move on to verse 25. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. As often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now let's drink the cup. We're reminding ourselves of the blood that was shed from the body of the Lord. Some say there were seven different places where his blood was shed. But there all was for the forgiveness of our sins. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Final verse, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death. Why, why, why would I want to proclaim the Lord's death? Because you're reminding Satan. You're not just remembering. You're reminding Satan of the biggest defeat of his life by proclaiming the death of our Lord Jesus because in his death came our resurrection. Amen. 
And thinking of resurrection, let's rise to our feet. And let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, as we've gone through Psalms 27, looking at the verses and thinking of David's life, we come to the end and we say, God, we're going to be encouraged. We're going to take courage. But how we're going to take courage is by waiting on you. We're going to get ourselves in the proper position to wait on you because we know you will see us through. And that's why we come to church. And that's why we, we, we call ourselves Christian. That's why we name the name of the Lord because we believe you have us in the palm of your hand. And we will never be the less by putting our hope and our trust in you. And from this day forward, we have confidence in your work in our lives. Now, Father God, if there's anybody here under the sound of my voice, here or online, that doesn't know Jesus in the pardon of their sins, I'm praying that they would just say these simple words. Father God, you sent your son to die for us. I accept his work on the cross. I receive his blood for the forgiveness of my sins. And I'll serve you to the day I die. And I'll meet you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, put your hands together, saints. Praise the Lord.